Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. Chapter 16 The Exodus from London We understand the roaring wave of fear that swept through the greatest city in the world, just as Monday was dawning, the stream of flight rising swiftly to a torrent, lashing in a foaming tumult round the railway stations, faint up into a horrible struggle about the shipping in the Thames hurrying up every available channel northward and eastward. By ten o'clock, the police organisation, and by midday, even the railway organisations were losing coherency, losing shape and efficiency, guttering, shuffling, running at last in that swift liquefaction of the social body. All the railway lines north of the Thames and the south eastern people at Cannon Street had been warned by midnight on Sunday and trains were being filled. People were fighting savagely for standing room in the carriages even at two o'clock where three people were being trampled and crushed even Bishopscape Street a couple of hundred yards or more from Liverpool Street Station. Revolvers were fired, people stabbed, a policeman who had been sent to direct the traffic Exhausted and infuriated, were breaking the heads of the people they were called out to protect. And as the day advanced, the engine drivers, the stokers, refused to return to London, pressured the flight, drove the people in an ever-thickening multitude away from the stations along the northward running roads. By midday, a Martian had been seen at Barnes, a cloud of slowly sinking black vapour, drove along the Thames, across the flats of Lambeth, cutting off all escape over the bridges in its sluggish advance. Another bank drove over Ealing and surrounded a little island of survivors on Castle Hill, alive but unable to escape. After a fruitless struggle to get aboard a northwestern train at Chalk Farm, the engines and trains had been lo- that had been loaded in goods yards were ploughed through shrieking people and dozen Stuart men, stalwart men, fought to keep the crowd from crushing the driver against his furnace. A brother emerged upon the chalk farm road, dodged across through a hurrying swarm. Vehicles had luck to be foremost in a sack of a cycle shop. 
The front tire of the machine he got was punching in and dragging it through the window. He got up and off, notwithstanding, with no further injury than a cut wrist. The steep foot of Haverstock Hill was impassable, owing to several overturned horses. My brother stuck into Bellside Road. My brother struck into Bellside Road. So he got out in the fury of the panic, and skirting the east Edgware Road, reached Edgware about seven, fasting and worried, but well ahead of the crowd. Along the road, people were standing on the roadway, curious, wondering. He was passed by a number of cyclists, some horsemen, and two motor cars. A mile from Edgware, the rim of the wheel broke, the machine became unrideable. He left it on the roadside and trudged through the village. There were shops half open in the main street of the place. People crowded on the pavement, their doorways and windows staring astonished, astonished at this extraordinary procession of fugitives that was beginning, that was beginning. He succeeded in getting some food at an inn. For time remained in Edgware, not knowing what next to do. The flying people increased in number. Many of them, like my brother, seemed inclined to loiter in the place. There was no fresh news of the invaders from Mars. At the time, the road was crowded, but as yet far from congested, most of the fugitives at the hour were mounted on cycles. But there were some soon motor cars, handsome cabs and carriages, hurrying along. The dust hung in the heavy clouds along the road to St. Albans. And perhaps a vague idea of making his, his way to Chelmsford, where some friends of his lived, he last inducted my brother to strike into quite a line, running eastward. Presently he came upon a stale, stale and crossing it followed a footpath northwestward, past near several farmhouses and some little places whose names he did not learn. He saw a few fugitives until a grass lane towards towards High Barnet. He happened upon two ladies who came his fellow travellers. He came upon them just in time to save them. Heard the screams and hurrying around the corner saw a couple of men struggling to drag them out of the little pony chase in which they had been driving, while a third would definitely held the frightened pony's head. One lady is a short woman dressed in white, was simply screaming the older the other, a dark, slender figure, slashed at a man who gripped her hand with a whip she held in her disengaged hand. Her brother immediately grasped the situation, shouted, hurried towards the struggle, while the men distested and turned towards him. Her brother, realising from his incongruous face that the fight was unavoidable, being an expert boxer, went into him forthwith and sent him down against the wheel of Chessay. In no time for Pugliastic chivalry, my brother laid him quiet with a kick and gripped the collar of the man who pulled at a slender lady's arm, heard a clatter of hooves, a whip stung across his face, a third antagonist struck him between the eyes, a man he held wrenched himself free and made, down, made off down the lane, direction for which he had come. 
Partly stunned, he found himself facing a man who had held the horse's head and became aware of the chase receding from him down the lane, swaying from side to side, the women in it looking back, the man before him, a burly rough, trying to, in, to close. He stopped him with a blow to the, in the face, then realising that he was deserted, he dodged around, made off down the road after the chase with a sturdy man close behind him. The fugitive had who had turned now, following remotely. Suddenly he stumbled and fell. His immediate pursuer went headlong. He rose to his feet to find himself a couple of antagonists again. again. He would have had little chance against them, had not the slender lady very properly pulled up and turned to his help. It seems she had a revolver all the time, but been under the seat when she and her companion were attacked. He fired at six yards' distance. Now I'm missing my brother. Less courageous of the robbers made off. His companion followed him, cursing his cowardice. They both stopped in sight down the lane, while the fellow man lay insensible. Take this, said the tender lady. She gave my brother a pit revolver. Go back to the chase, said my brother, whipping the blood from his split lip. She turned about a word, about a word. They were both panting. They went back to where the lady in white struggled to hold back the frightened pony. The robbers had eventually had enough of it. When my brother looked again, they were retreating. I'll sit here, said my brother, if I may. He got upon the empty front seat. A lady looked over his shoulder. Give me the reins, she said, and laid a whip along the pony's side. In another moment, a bend in the road hid the three men from my brother's eyes. So he quite expect, so quite unexpectedly, my brother found himself panting with a cut mouth, a bruised jaw, blood-stained knuckles, driving along an unknown lane with these two women. It only were the wife and younger sister, surgeon, living at Stanmore, who had come in small hours from a dangerous chase, case, a pinner, and heard at some, well, at some railway station of his way of the Martian advance, he'd hurried home, roused the women. A servant had left them two days before, packed some provisions, put his revolver under the seat, luckily for my brother. Luckily for my brother, and told him to drive to Edgware, the idea of getting the train there. He stopped behind to tell the neighbours. He would overtake them, he said, at about half past four in the morning. Now it's nearly top nine, they had seen nothing of him. He could not stop in Edgware because of the glowing traffic through the through the place, so they had come into this side lane. That was the story they told my brother in fragments, but presently they stopped again, nearing nearer to New Barnet. He promised to stay with them, at least until he could determine what to do, or until the missing man arrived and professed to be an expert shot with a revolver, a weapon strange to him in order to give them confidence. They made a sort of encampment by the wayside, a pony became happy in the hedge. He told them of his own escape out of London, all that he knew of these Martians and their ways. The sun crept higher in the sky. After a time, it, their talk died out and gave place to an easy state of interpretation. Several wayfarers came along the lane, of those, many, my brother gathered some news as he could. Every broken answer 
He had deepened his impression of the great disaster that had come on humanity, deepened his persuasion of the infinite necessary for pursuing this flight. He urged the matter upon them. We had money, said a slender woman, and hesitated. My eyes met my brother's. Hesitation ended. So have I, said my brother. This plane had as much as thirty pounds in gold, besides a five-pound note. Suggested that with that they might get upon a train, said Albans, or new bonnet. I rather thought that was hopeless, seeing the ferry. London's the crowd upon the trains. Approached his own idea of striking across Essex towards Harwich, and thence escaping from the country altogether. Miss Ethelinstone, that was the name of the woman in white, would listen to no reasoning, and kept calling upon George. Her sister-in-law was astonishing quiet and deliberate, and at last agreed to my brother's suggestion. So designing to cross the great north road, they went on towards Barnet, my brother leading the pony to, in, to save it as much as possible. As the sun crept up the sky, the day became excessively hot, and underfoot a thick whitish sand grew burning and blinding. So they travelled only very slowly. Hedges were grey with dust. As they advanced towards Bonnet, tremendous murmuring grew stronger. They began to meet more people. For the most part, they were staring before them, muttering insistent questions, jaded, haggard, unclean. One man in evening dress passed them on foot, his eyes on the ground. He heard his voice. Looking back at him, saw one hand clutched in his in his hair, and his other other beating invisible things, his proxism of rage over he went on his way without once looking back. As my brother's party went on towards the crossroads to the south of Bonnet, he saw a woman approaching the road across some fields to the left, carrying a child with, the, with two other children, then passed a man in dirty black with a thick stick in one hand and a small premature in the other. Then around the corner of the lane, between the villas, and they guarded it in its confluence flutes with the high road, came a little cart drawn by a sweating black pony, driven by a shallow youth in a bowler hat, grey with dust. There were three girls, East End factory girls, a couple of little children, Crowded in the, in the car. Is tight us drowned edgeware? asked the driver, wild eyed, white faced. When my brother told him it would, he turned to the left, he whipped it up at once without the formality of thanks. My brother noticed a pale grey smoke or haze rising among the houses in front of them, and yet veiling the white facade of a terrace beyond the road. Appeared behind, between the backs of the villas. Miss Etherstone suddenly cried out in a number of tongues, a smoky red flame leaping up above the houses in front of them against the hot blue sky. Tremendous noise resolved itself now. 
save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Tis this only mingling of many voices agreed, of many veils, the creaking of arrogance, a seracto of hoes. A lane came round sharply, not fifty yards from the crossroads. Good heavens, cried Mrs. Everstone. What is that? that what? What is it this you are driving us into? My brother stopped, and the main road was a boiling steam of people, a torrent of human beings rushing northward, one pressing on the other, a great bank of dust, white and luminous, the blaze of the sun, everything within twenty feet of the ground, grey, distinct, was perpetually renewed, the hurrying feet of a dense crowd of horses, of men and women on foot, by the wheels of vehicles of every description. Way, my brother heard voices crying. Mate, way! Like riding into the smoke of a fire to approach a meeting point of a lane, a road, a crowd railroad like a fire. The dust was hot and pungent. Indeed, a little way up the road, a villa was burning and sending rolling masses of black smoke across the road to add to the confusion. Two men came past them, then a dirty woman carrying a heavy bundle and weeping. A lost retriever dog, with a hanging tongue, circled dubiously round them, scared and wretched, and fled at my father's fret. So much as they could see of the road, Londonwood, between the houses to the right, the tremendous stream of dirty, harrowing people, pented between the villas on either side, blackheads, the crowded forms grew into distinctness as they rushed towards the corner, Hurried past, they merged their individuality again in the receding multitude that was swallowed up, alas, in a crowd of dust. Come on, come on, said the voices. Way, way. One man's head pressed on the back of another, but however stood the pony's head, irresistibly attached, he advanced slowly, pace by pace, down the lane. Edgware had been a scene of confusion, chalk farm, writer's tumult. That was... But this was a whole population of movement. It's hard to imagine that host. It had no character of its own. Figures poured out past the corner, receded their backs to the group in the lane. Along the margin came those who were on foot, threatened by the wheels stumbling, the ditches blundering into one another. The carts and carriages crowded close upon one another, making little way for those swifter, more impatient vehicles that darted forward every now and then, when on an opportunity showed itself of doing so, sending the people scattered against the fences and gates of the villas. Push on, was the cry. Push on. They are coming. In one cart stood a blind man in uniform of the Salvation Army, gesticulating, circulating his crooked fingers and brawling, Eternity! Eternity! His voice was hoarse, very loud, so that my brother could hear him long after he was lost to sight in the dust. Some people were crowded in the carts, whipped stupidly their horses and quarrelled with the other drivers. Some sat motionless, staring at nothing, with miserable eyes. 
Some go their hands with first, or they prostitute, prostitute the bottoms of their conveyances. Horses' bits were covered with foam, their eyes bloodshot. There were cabs, carriages, shop carts, wagons, beyond counting a small mail cart, a road cleaner's cart, marked Westry of St. Pancras, a huge timber wagon crowded with ruffs, a brewery dray rumbled up, but its, its too near window wheels crashed, splashed with fresh blood. Clear the way, cried the voices, clear the way. Eternity, eternity echoes down the road. There were sad, haggard women. Well, there were, there was, were sad, haggard women, trembled by well-dressed, trembling by well-dressed, we were children that cried and stumbled at their dainty clothes, smothered in dust and their weary faces, smeared with tears. And many of the, these keen men, sometimes helpful, sometimes lowering and savage, fighting side by side, and then pushed some weary street outcasts in faded black eyes, wide-eyed, loud-voiced and foul-mouthed. They were sturdy workmen, thrusting their way, long-wrenched, unkept men, clothed, a clutch at shopmen, struggling so spasmodically. A wounded soldier, my brother, noticed men dressed in clothes of railway porters, one wretched creature in a nightshirt, with a coat thrown over it. It varied as, it, as its composition was certain things all hosts had in common. All, all, all that hosts had in common. There were fear and pain in the voices of fear. Behind them, a torrent by the road, a quarrel from a place in a wagon, set the whole host of them quickening, quickening in place. Even a man so scared and broken that his knees bent under him was galvanised for a moment to renewed activity. The heat and dust had already been at work upon this multitude. Their skins were dry, their lips black and cracked. They all thirsty wearing his footstool. Amid the various cries, one heard disputes, reproaches, groans of weariness. Fatigue, the voices of the most of them were hoarse and weak, for it all ran a refrain. Way, way, the Martians are coming. Few stopped and came aside from that flood, laying open slightly into the main road, and with a narrow opening had its delusive appearance of coming from the direction of London. Yet the Cunavelli people drove into its mouth. Weaklings ebbled out the stream, had for the most part rested but a moment were plunging into it again. A little way down the lane, with two friends bending over him, lay a man with a bare leg, wrapped about the bloody rags. He was a lucky man to have friends. A little man, a grey military moustache, a filthy black frock cloak, limped out and sat down beside the trap, removed his boot, his sock with blood was bloodstained. Shook out his pepper and hobbled on again. Then a little girl, eight or nine, all alone, threw herself under the hedge, close by my, by my brother, weeping. I can't go on! I can't go on! Rather woke from his timber of astonishment, lifted her up, speaking gently to her, carried her to Miss Etherstone. So soon as my brother touched her, she became quiet, as if frightened. Ellen! shrieked a voice in the crowd with tears in her voice. Ellen! A child suddenly darted away from my brother, crying, Mother! They're coming, said a man on horseback, riding past along the lane. 
Out of the way there, bawled the coachman, towering high, and my brother saw a closed carriage turning into lane. The people crushed back on one another to avoid the horse. My brother pushed the pony and chased back into the hedge. A man drove by and stopped. At a turn of the way, it was a carriage with a pole, a pair of horses, but only one was in the traces. I both saw dimly through the dust. The two men lifted out something on the white stretcher and put it gently on the grass beneath the pivot hedge. One of the men came running to my brother. Where is there any water? He said. He is dying fast and very thirsty. It is Lord Garrick. Garrick. Lord Garrick, said my brother. The Chief Justice. The water, he said. There may be a tap, said my brother, in some of the houses. If we have no water, I dare not leave it, my people. The man pushed against the crowd towards the gate of the corner house. Go on, said the people, thirsting at him. They are coming, go on. Then my brother's attention was attracted by his bearded, eagle-faced man, lugging a small handbag, which split even as my brother's eyes rested on it, and his scores of massive sovereigns that seemed to break up separate coins that struck the ground, rode hither and thither, among the struggling feet of men and horses, men stopped, looked stupidly at the heap of the shaft of the cab, struck his shoulder and sent him reeling. As he gave a shriek and dodged down, cartwheels shaved him narrowly. Way, cried the men, all about him, make way. As soon as the cab had passed, he flung himself both hands open upon a heap of coins and began thrusting handfuls in his pocket. A horse rose close upon him. Another moment, Half rising, he had been borne down upon the horse's hooves. Stop, screamed my brother, and pushing the woman out of the way, he tried to clutch the bit of the horse. Before he could get to it, he heard a scream under the wheels and saw through the dust a rim passing on the poor wretch's back. The driver of the cart slashed his whip at his my brother, who ran round behind the cart. The motorist shouting confused his ears. The man was writhing to the dust. Along among the scattered money, unable to rise, for the wheel had broken his back. His lower limbs lay limp and dead. Wherever stood up and yelled at the next driver, a man on a black horse came to assistance. Get out of the road, he said. He, and touching the man's collar with his free hand, my brother lugged him sideways, but he still clutched after his money, regarded my brother fiercely, hammering at his arm, with a handful of gold. Go on, go on, said angry voices behind. Way, way. The smash of the pole carriage crashed into the cart. The man on the horseback stopped. Over looked up. The man with the gold twisted his head round, bit the wrist that held his collar. There was a concussion. Then the black horse came staggering sideways, and the cart horse pushed beside it. Hoof missed my brother's foot by a hair's breath. He reached the grip of the fallen man and jumped back. He saw anger change to terror on the face of the poor wretch on the ground. In a moment, he was hidden, her brother was borne backward and carried past the entrance of the lane to fight hard in the torrent to recover it. He saw Mrs. Everstone covering his, his eyes. A little child with all the... Ch- little child with all... The children wanted a sympathetic imagination. Then with diluted eyes, that dusty something that lay black and still, round and crushed under rolling wheels. Let us go back, he shouted. 
began turning her pony round. We could not cross this hill. He said they went back a hundred yards away they had come, till the fighting crowd was hidden. As they passed the bend in the lane, my brother saw the face dying man in a ditch under the pivot, deadly white and drawn and shining with perspiration. The two women sat silent, crouching in their seat and shivering. There beyond the bend, my brother stopped again. Miss Everstone was white and pale, and her sister-in-law sat weeping, too wrenched even to call upon. George, my brother, was horrified and perplexed. As soon as they had retreated to realise how they had retreated, realised how urgent and unavoidable it was to attempt the crisp crossing. He turned to Miss Everstone, suddenly resolute. You must go that way, he said. I led the pony round again. The second time that day, this girl proved her quality. To face their way to a torrent of people, my brother plunged into the traffic and held back a horse while she drove the pony across his head. Across his head, a wagon locked wheels with a moment and ripped a long splinter from the chase. Another moment, they were caught and were swept forward by the stream. My brother, the cabman's whip, marks red across his face, hands scrambled to chase and took the reins from her. Point the revolver at the man behind, he said, giving it to her. If he presses us too hard, no, point at his horse. He began to look out for a chance of edging to right across the road. But once in the stream, he seemed to lose volition, to become a part of their dusty route. He swept through chirping barnet, the torrent. They were nearly a mile beyond the centre of the town. Before they fought against the cross to the opposite side of the way, it was din and confusion inscribable. But in and beyond the town, the road faults repeatedly and this, to some extent, relieved the stress. They struck eastward through Henley, and there, on another side, either side of the road, another place further on, they came upon a great multitude of people drinking at the stream, some fighting to come to the, at the water. Further on, Valal, near East Barnet, they saw two trains running slowly, one after the other, without signal order, trains swarming with people, the people, men, even among the coals behind the engines, going northward along the great northern railway. My brother supposes that must have filled outside London for all that time. The first terror the people have rendered the centre term life impossible. Now this place they halted for the rest of the afternoon for the violence of the day had already utterly exhausted all three of them and to suffer the beginnings of hunger. The night was cold and none of them dared to sleep. In the evening many people came hurrying along the road nearby their stopping place, fleeing from unknown dangers before them and coming to the direction which my brother had come. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.